knows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. I listened to that on my computer and I didn't feel that bass. It, it sounded a lot more like a horror film um, with the sound system, but yeah. I see dead people. <laughs> this is what comes to my mind. But uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna be telling ghost stories tonight. Holy ghost stories. So um, yeah, looking forward to sharing with you on the Holy Spirit. I think I looked forward to studying this week um, more than usual because it was a healthy distraction for me to get in God's word. And particularly this topic, I don't think it was an accident. I think it was providential that God was like, I want you to just study God's word on the Holy Spirit and the power that you need. Um, and so it was ex exciting to, to study on it and uh, so that I could share tonight. And the Holy Spirit, uh, I don't know what uh, you grew up with, but we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot in my church. Um, and so I remember getting to college, learning a little bit about it, even in college, just the Holy Spirit, the cessation of the Spirit, um, and uh, that he had done his work, and sort of there was a new revelation and a new dispensation. So kind of the Spirit was that third person of the Godhead that sort of stayed out in the shed. You know, we, he was the divine it. You know what I mean? He was a person, but he was really referred to as an it an awful lot in my childhood. And I remember I got into ministry and it wasn't two months into ministry where I was realizing that just having talent and having education um, and having intelligence and having a knowledge of God's word wasn't going to cut it. Not in youth ministry. And I remember going to the youth ministry I was at and half the kids were going to a Marilyn Manson concert. It was a great time to be a youth pastor. And I don't know if you know Marilyn Manson, it's not a girl. Uh, I made that mistake in youth group. I was like, and a bunch of you going to a Marilyn Manson concert and I don't know who she is. And they were like, you're an idiot. We don't even have any respect for you as our youth pastor. But, uh, but that was back in the 90s, 1997. And I remember crying out in my office saying, God, I need more than just the word of God and I need more than just passion. I need your spirit to help me change these kids' lives because I can't do it. Have you ever felt that like you've tried everything in your own power at your disposal and all the faculties of the mind that God's given you and it is just not cutting it? It's not cutting it in your marriage. It's not cutting it in your family. It's not cutting it in, in life in general. And you feel bereft of life, bankrupt of heart in your spirit. And it's like, there's gotta be more than this. And I remember calling my mom and dad in my office in Belfont, Ohio as a youth pastor and literally crying out to them and yelling at them, why didn't you tell me about the Holy Spirit? I need the Holy Spirit. Why was that eliminated from the conversation growing up? And so the Holy Spirit has been this person in the Godhead that I am least familiar with but most in need of because God is in heaven, the Father, and Jesus came and he ascended to heaven and he left with us the Holy Spirit so that we could have fellowship with the Spirit. And that is a mysterious thing for sure because the spirit is in fact that. It's not um, palpable, it's not tangible in the same way you're hearing my voice or seeing my presence. And we're really fixated on the physical right now, right? 
So everything's about the outside and, and our health and our bodies and our, our phys, physique and how to keep healthy in this time. I mean, I'm looking at a bunch of you and we're trying to stay healthy in this world where we're surging and we're more spiking um, as, as like just a locale right now and joining the world in something. We've had people on our staff that have either gotten COVID or been exposed to COVID. People are quarantined and people are isolating like it's here, it's found us. And what I don't wanna do is become so uh, concentrated and fixated on the physical that we don't realize there's more things that are more important than the physical. And that is the spiritual. The body comes and goes, it's temporary. The spirit lives on in immortality forever and ever and it's everlasting and our spirits need to be healthy and need to be alive. But I don't know if this verse you know, stands out to you. Therefore, we do not lose heart though outwardly we are wasting away. Inwardly, we are renewed day by day. Do you know how that happens? The spirit of God that lives in us in our human spirit. And we will lose heart if we just concentrate on the outside and don't say, hey, the mental and the emotional and the relational and the social and the psychological are just as important as the physical. In fact, more so, God would say, don't fear those who can kill the body, fear those who can kill the body and the spirit. Jesus said that, that's not me, the gentle shepherd. (laughs) And he was just telling this, the truth is, is there's more important things than the physique. It's the spirit. It's the soul. The soul in Greek is the psyche. That's what the soul is. I remember one person said, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. You have a body. And that's not how we look at each other. We look at each other from the outside in and we concentrate on the image and the exterior. The fact is is that we don't have a soul, we are a soul, we happen to have a body. Uh, another put it, person put it this way, Pierre Chardin said, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. It's another way of saying the same thing. In the seats right now that I'm looking at, you are a bunch of spirits that are manifesting with a body and have an expression through a body, but you are just hovering there and your spirit is somewhat levitating over the seat that you're in and my spirit is talking to your spirit, the imperishable to the imperishable. And whether you're watching online and you're in your couch or in your bed or in your PJs or whether you're watching on a TV or a computer or a device, I'm talking to your spirit. You are a spirit being It is living a human experience, not a human being living a spiritual experience. That's a a paradigm shift. I was uh, a few months back talking to Caleb and Joshua in bed, and Caleb has invited Jesus to come into his heart. Josh, not so much. And so Caleb sometimes will be praying together, and Caleb's like, you want to ask Jesus into your heart yet? And he's like, nah. And I'm like, This is an important thing. He's now 10 years old. And so I was talking to Caleb and he mentioned something where where God was inside of his heart and he said, how does God fit inside of you, dad? And I was like, well, it's, it's not Jesus and it's not God the Father, it's the Holy Spirit. I was trying to crack open this mystery of the Holy Spirit to him and I wasn't sure as an eight year old whether he would get it, but I was like, the Holy Spirit is in your heart, son. 
And he's like, yeah. And I, I said, you can hear the Holy Spirit in a still small voice. He'll speak to you even through your conscience. And he'll say, hey, listen to your parents. Obey your parents. Do you ever hear that? And he's like, no. <laughs> and I said, you may not be saved. You know, you need to stop quenching the spirit and, um, you know, searing the, the conscience. You need to hear God's voice. He's speaking to you. And he's like, sometimes I hear it. I just don't want to obey it. It's like, that's the Holy Spirit. And then he turned to Josh. He's like, Josh, you should ask the Holy Spirit to come in. And Josh was like, well, do you have to pray to do it? And I was like, yeah. He's like, eh, no. (laughs) I don't want to pray. But this is what we're talking about. How does God get inside of you? The Holy Spirit indwells the person who calls upon the Lord to be saved. And we say Jesus comes into your heart. It's really the spirit of Jesus that comes into your heart. And he dwells there, and he lives there, and he speaks to you, and he fills you with power and the ability to even have the the wherewithal to get through difficulties and to understand things. He gives you wisdom and revelation that you might know him better, so the eyes of your heart are opened up, as it says in Ephesians 1. The Holy Spirit's just critical. Some of you here might have prayed a prayer, and you knew Jesus, and you really like God the Father and God the Son, but you have just really no relationship with a fellowship with the Holy Spirit or friendship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you he is the best kept secret in Christianity. Jesus left, he came, he ascended, he's at the right hand of the Father. He sent the Spirit to be our counselor and our comforter and our advocate to walk with us and to empower us to live this life. And in these last eight or nine months, if I don't got the Spirit, my human spirit is depleted and diluted and diminished and destroyed. And so this is a word we all have to hear if we're gonna make it in the weeks and months to come that if your Christianity and your salvation has somehow been devoid of a conversation or relationship with the Spirit, it's critical for you to understand that if you've asked the Lord to come into you, you can be indwelled by the Spirit but not filled with the Spirit because being filled with the Spirit is not about you having more of the Holy Spirit, it's having the Holy Spirit having more of you. And that surrender and that consecration and say, my life is yours, God. Take more of me, less of me and more of you. As John said in John 3.30, you must increase, I must decrease. You must become greater, I must become lesser. I was reading through the Bible back in the summer and there's a lot of names for God in the Bible, but one as I was reading through it that struck me that I'd never heard before was found in Numbers. That's probably why I never heard it before. How many have been reading Numbers lately? Leviticus, Deuteronomy, no. Uh, this is found in Numbers twenty-seven sixteen. the God of the spirits of all flesh. I don't know why that stood out to me and I underlined, I was like, you are the God of the spirits of all flesh. We as flesh creatures have spirit and we have a God who is the God of the spirits of our bodies. He's interacting with your spirit right now, with his human spirit and your, his Holy Spirit and your human spirit communing together. And so John last week opened up to probably the most ripe 
And uh, the most powerful chapter in the Bible as it relates to Jesus starting to bust loose on some theology. And all in one chapter, he talked about God the Father so loved the world that he sent God the Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. But prior to that, he opens up a conversation about the Holy Spirit for the first time. And he says, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when you're born again of the Spirit, you're born again and you have the Spirit, this is going to be this best kept secret. And probably even more than talking about it in chapter 14 and 15 and 16 in the Olivet Discourse and the Upper Room Discourse, he talked about the Holy Spirit, but this chapter talks about being born again. And I wanted to read this again and concentrate more on the Holy Spirit and use it as a springboard because I want to talk about the human spirit and the Holy Spirit, the more immaterial part of us, the invisible part of us, that mysterious relationship. But we'll start in John, if you have your Bibles, verse one and two, and then I'll skip to five through eight. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus. We'll call him Nick tonight. And Nick came to him, and he was a member of the Jewish ruling council, the 770 in the Sanhedrin, and he came to Jesus by night. Jesus was working the night shift this night. He didn't check out that day. He heard that one of the religious leaders wanted to meet with him, and there was something this week that felt like I can identify with this guy that wants to come to Jesus by night because of peer pressure. Anybody been feeling peer pressure or social pressure in the last eight months? Anybody have a lot of thoughts and curiosity and questions and you don't know who to talk to them uh, with and you don't know what to let out and how you're gonna be perceived and so you just ask somebody, I'll share with you what I think but I don't wanna share with anybody. They're sort of a silent minority or a silent majority and they stay silent because they don't wanna be like on the radar of other people getting you know excoriated or excommunicated based on their belief system and so this guy I says, I got all kinds of peers around me that if they knew I had curiosity and questions and wanted to meet with you, that wouldn't be looked upon very fondly. That would be frowned upon. So would you, Jesus, meet me by my night to have a conversation with you about questions that I have? In fact, I was out last week with a couple prominent pastors in the area. If I mentioned their names, you would know who they were and they have large churches and, and I was asking them questions. We were sitting around the fire and I asked one of them, what caused you to make this decision with your church instead of making the decision that another church your size made? And he looked back at me and he paused and I was waiting for this profound moment because this guy's a really deep guy and a profound guy, well known in the area. And he said to me, peer pressure. This pastor said, the only reason I made the decision that I made was I just put my finger up to the wind and the peer pressure was so fierce that I just gave in and I did it. And I've been thinking a lot about that in the last couple weeks and we wouldn't be here right now if I made the decision out of peer pressure. I'll just tell you that. It just would have been easier to just say, we'll just shut it down and we'll see you in January, maybe not January, maybe Easter, maybe not Easter, maybe next fall. And there was just something inside of me that I'm like, I and our team just did not feel like we wanted to bow to peer pressure quite yet. 
And this is enough people for me to get encouraged and say, I think gathering together, singing songs, hearing somebody talk to you. Um, it's a little bit by night. I don't like to share everything because I know the minute I share something, I'm hated by 10% on either side. And it's tough to live in that world. But you know what? Sometimes you gotta be Nicodemus and you're like, Jesus, you know me by night. Can I ask you some questions? I've got some abiding things going on and I'm scared of humans, but I'm not scared of you. And I love that Jesus is like, well, unless you meet with me openly, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed with you before my father. He said that in other places. He didn't say that to Nicodemus. He's like, I get it, buddy. Let's have a conversation. What's on your mind? I know it. Peer pressure's probably getting to you. Let's meet by night. In John 3, 5 through 8, he goes on, he says to him, Jesus said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. I've always wanted to be a church that it's not flesh-oriented because flesh-oriented gives birth to flesh. We've seen some pastors bite the dust in the last couple weeks that are celebrity pastors, great pastors, lots of talent, but the flesh took over and it gave birth to flesh. And it breaks my heart because I'm watching pastors and leaders and Christians falling by the wayside because they're so used to functioning in the flesh, they don't know how to tap into the spirit. And with maturity saying, I know what I feel and what I want and my preferences, but I want what you want, God, and I'll surrender to what you want instead of what I want. I don't want flesh to give birth to flesh anymore. I want your spirit to give birth to my spirit and make me regenerated. Anybody else want that? Or we're just going to be a church that's just filled with a bunch of liars. That we say we're following God, we're just following God as long as he follows us. I've learned that people don't follow leaders anymore. They just go for leaders that tell them what their itching ears want to hear and then they follow them. And the minute the leaders don't say something that they already agree with, they're gone. And I'm that way with God. God, I love you as long as you happen to be going where I decided to go today. I love you as long as you're in alignment with my belief system. But the minute it's a little bit off or it doesn't fit the world, ah, I don't know about that. I want to be about the spirit, not the flesh when I'm leading. And so... He goes on and says, you shouldn't be surprised at me saying you must be born again. And the wind blows wherever it pleases. Oh, does it ever. It blew one of my trees right onto my garage last week. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. Have you ever been blowing leaves lately? Seems to be changing directions all the time on you. Yeah, so it is with everyone born of the spirit. That really isn't a... That really isn't a great couple verses when it's like, well, how do you follow the spirit? Well, I don't know. You can't see it, but you can feel it. And you don't know if it's coming or going. So you're on a wild goose chase. Did you know that wild goose chase actually comes from a theological position in the past that they believed the Holy Spirit was a wild goose and you just go on a chase after it? He's the wild goose. And he's like, the spirit of God 
We don't always know his ways, but you got to follow him. And it's like a PBR rider. You know, you just get on Fu Manchu and hang on for eight seconds. The spirit isn't going to just do whatever you want. The spirit comes and it goes. You don't know whether it's comest or where it's going, but such are the ways of the spirit. You still on board? Do you want to follow him into places that don't always make sense? That's the way he comes. And I was thinking about this. Wow. The spirit is like wind. I actually, this is so crazy, when I was first in youth ministry and I, I loved Middle Earth. I don't know if you're into Middle Earth, but I love Lord of the Rings and Middle Earth. And so I decided to write a fantasy novel called Wendleton. Anybody know about this already? No? I have waited 20 years to share this with people. Um, <laughs> But I wrote something called Wendleton, and the idea was that wind was the spirit, and the Wendells lived in Wendleton on the island of Gracinglorn in doves that were big trees, and the higher they went in the trees and the more wind there was, the more healthy they were. They needed two things to survive, wind and community with people. And so the main character was Breezen, get it, Breeze, wind, and his love interest at age 12, if you have a love interest, was Arion, air. And um, his best friend was Gandy Well. And I had all of these like families and I just, I started to follow J.R.R. Tolkien and I got five chapters in and I bailed out. Um, but, but Wendleton came out of this verse that the spirit is wind, God is wind. I can feel his presence. I can't always see it, but he's moving and he manifests in our lives. I, I did an extensive look this week throughout the Bible and I was really intrigued just by that the spirit gives birth to spirit, small letter spirit. And I realized our human spirits are very profound and powerful. And these different spirits occupied humans throughout human history in the Bible. I was like, what are all the different spirits that, that came upon people, people's human spirits in the Bible? And I, I was like, this is intriguing to me. Because our human spirit needs to be regenerated by God's Holy Spirit to give us the fruits of the spirit, right? So I was like, what are the fruits of the flesh that were throughout the Old Testament? I was reading in Job 38 to said, in, but it is the spirit of a person, the breath of an almighty that gives them understanding. So that we have the spirit, which is the breath of the almighty. When God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, he breathed in him and ensconced him with the spirit, tattooed him with the spirit. But it was the breath of the almighty that becomes the spirit of God in us that makes us unique from the animal kingdom. It is very much our spirit that the image of God is, is in that makes us a creature that God loves and we are the crown of his creation. I was like, this is powerful. This breath of the Almighty, this spirit inside of a person gives them understanding. And so I, I looked at these unhealthy spirits because our spirits carry the power of life and death. Our words do, but our spirits do. You can feel my spirit now. You can tell whether I'm forlorn or crestfallen or whether I'm full of life and optimism or whether I, you can feel that stuff in people. Some are better at reading the room and feeling that than others, but people's spirits can either infect you or inspire you. And I looked at the ones that infect 
people in the Old Testament and New Testament. The unhealthy spirits of the Bible. The first one is found in Deuteronomy 2.30 and it's a rebellious spirit. I, I have a coach that I started a meeting with at the beginning of the year that was providential. I had no idea what we were heading into and his name is John. He's in his 50s, has been in ministry and he coaches me and I share with him what I'm feeling and he kind of asks me questions and walks alongside of me. He's sort of the pastor of pastors. And he said about the time that we're in as a church that it's revealing three sorts of people in the church that have been able to kind of hide for a while but it's coming out. And there's three kinds of person. He says, pretenders, consumers, and rebels. Consumers, pretenders, and rebels. And some can last a month, some three, some six, some nine. We all have different thresholds before the flesh comes forth. And some of us have rebel hearts that God's trying to smash and say, it isn't about you but we have a rebellious spirit. How many of you don't like to be told what to do? How many it's just difficult for you to even come tonight and be like somebody mandating masks? That's just hard for me. I'm gonna tell you, I don't like that. I have never made a decision with our group that I actually don't like. I can tell you in all the years of ministry, it's like, I don't want to do that. I feel like I got to swallow my pride. I'm not an anti-masker, but I'm certainly a person that I hate when I wear the mask talking to people because I'm a relational person and there's such an obstruction and I, I don't know all of the world around masks, but it was so hard. You know what God had to do in my heart on Monday night? He had to break my rebel spirit and say, it's not about you, buddy. It's not about you and your preferences and what you like. Are you going to listen to me what I want? A rebel spirit, a crushed spirit. A lot of that out there right now. Just getting crushed. A bitter spirit. An unforgiving spirit, right? How about a confused spirit actually was spoken of in the Old Testament as a spirit of stupor that you just don't even know what's happening. How many of you, you're like, I knew it was happening yesterday and today I'm in a fog again, just in a stupor, so confused. Am I right? Am I wrong? Are they right? Am I wrong? I have no idea. Despairing spirit, just a depressed spirit, an angry spirit, I know that's just prevalent right now, even in me. That'll hit me out of nowhere and I'll just want to punch something or someone. <laughs> Daniel had a troubled spirit. Just why so downcast? Why so troubled inside of me, right? As the psalmist said, Zechariah 13.2, an impure spirit. Right now, that one's kind of coming over a lot. We've kind of stood our ground with holiness and being pure and holding the line and just resisting temptation. And it's gotten so hard for so many, temptation's starting to take them out. And then there's the fearful spirit. <laughs> and that one's just overtaken our world.
There's fear on this end. Fear of the loss of freedom, fear of giving up our rights, fear of where America's going, right? Fear of this, fear of the, you know, the disease, fear of the pandemic and the plague and all this stuff. Fear's everywhere. Fear was used in politics to get people to vote. Fear is the currency of our culture right now. These were the spirits that were in the Old Testament, New Testament that I was like, man, that's the kind of stuff God needs to regenerate and save us from. I learned a, a word, it's in Latin called the genius loci and it's called the spirit of a place or a person. And you can feel this when you encounter a person or certain places you frequent. You can feel the spirit of a home or a marriage or a church because our spirits bleed over into other people's spirits and it affects them or infects the other people around you. Again, just to remind us, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And this is why as I was reading through the Bible even a few months ago, I was moved by the way that we can affect and be affected by the spirit of people and places in such a way that it changes us. God seems to allow people to connect at a spiritual level so, that, so as to transfer or confer their spirit onto ours, for better or worse. A few stories stood out to me in this case as it relates to the spirit of people that were passed on to other people. In 2 Kings 2 and 9, we see Elijah and Elisha, and when they had crossed the Jordan, Elisha said to Elisha, and this is before he's taken in, in a fiery chariot up to heaven, one of two people that didn't die in the Bible was taken before death. He says, tell me, Elisha, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And Elisha said this without hesitation, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit before you leave. And I can tell certain people I get around, I'm like, I want what you've got and I want a double portion of that. Like Thanksgiving meal, how many of you like the double portion, right? We think of double portion as it relates to food, I'll take seconds. He was like, I'll take seconds on this. Whatever you've got, I want two times as much before you leave. I want a double portion of that spirit because I want to live out just a little bit what I've seen in you. Did you know that he gave him a double portion of his spirit before he left? I want you to know, I don't care if you're under that mask, underneath your skin is the spirit of, of God in you and the spirit he placed in your human spirit that you can have an infectious, contagious spirit that you can hand off to other people and it can be life or death to them. Amen. You have that power. Have you been around people that after you're done being with them, like you feel animated, you feel regenerated by just being in their presence? I can only pray that you being in my presence today fills you with some sort of like, I know the next right thing I want to do. I feel like I came in depleted and now I'm energized. I don't know if I'll make it all the way through the week, but I think he might get me to Wednesday because the human spirit can inspirit you or inspire you in a big way. Another one is Moses and the 70 elders with him and he wanted to tap out. He wanted God to take his life. He couldn't do it on his own in Numbers eleven twenty-five, 25. It says, and the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke with Moses and he took the spirit that was on him and he put the spirit on the 70 elders and when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. 
It's like he just multiplied it and said, what I put on you, I'm going to put on a bunch of people around you. I've been asking that today, God, whatever other people have put on the strong, palpable spirit that they have and put it on me so that I can lead well. And God, help me to be around people and whatever they have, put that spirit on me, Lord. Transfer it to me so that I can live with power and prophesy in this world truth in the midst of lies. Amen. And then Moses and Joshua, I love this one. It says, the Lord said to Moses before he wasn't able to go across the Jordan and he had to pick somebody to sort of hand the mantle to. And he said, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man with the spirit of leadership and lay your hands on him. You're gonna see this in the Old and New Testament and confer on him some of your power or influence or anointing. So you have this, I want a double portion of your spirit and God, we need 70 elders to have the spirit that's on Moses, put on them and transfer to them and Moses is like, I'm gonna take this guy, he has a spirit of leadership, I'm gonna lay my hands on him, I'm not gonna social distance, I'm gonna give him the spirit of God and I'm gonna confer that on him before I leave. Now I needed to tell you this because even if you don't believe in God, you have a human spirit that can actually infect other people with life and death. You can be life-giving or soul-killing with your spirit. Get around the right people and make sure when you're around people, you're the right person to give them a portion of your spirit. And it certainly helps if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and your human spirit. I was thinking of this as it relates to the God-filled spirits in the Bible as well. There's not just like the godless spirits, but there's the God-filled spirits. In number 1424, this was my favorite this week. It was a different spirit. And somebody said, Caleb and Joshua, they go into the land, and oh, the other 10 are, we can't go in there, giants, there's too many threats, 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 we shouldn't go. And Joshua and Caleb are like, ah, we can go. We can take them. It's all good. And it was awesome that said, I love Caleb because he has a different spirit. It reminds me of coming to Jesus by night with Nicodemus, like, hey, you might feel different and you might be embarrassed and you might feel the social pressure or peer pressure to think something and to act a certain way, but I want you to know, I want you to have a different spirit, Jason. I don't want you to have the same spirit everyone else has. I want you to rise up and when everyone else is like, no, 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 you have a yes. And when no one else believes God's powerful still, you come and tell him he's still powerful. And the giants are big, but God's bigger. And yes, there are threats and they're overwhelming and they seem like daunting and it seems like impossible odds. But with God, we're the majority. We can beat them. Man, this guy has a different spirit. I love his spirit. I want to be around people with a different spirit. Instead of everybody having the same exact monolithic thoughts and spirits, I want to be around somebody that's like, yeah, I hear what they're saying, but I got a different take. And you're allowed to. I just want to give you permission to not think and act and feel what everyone else is thinking and acting and feeling. And it doesn't mean you disrespect them. It just means you don't have to believe what everybody believes or I'm going to get canceled. Screw it. 
cancel me. As long as God approves me, everyone can cancel me. Because we got to just be thinking, God, do you love me? Am I pleasing you? I can't please everybody else. I want to please you. Give me a different spirit. I love a leadership spirit that was given to Joshua, a wise spirit, a thoughtful, a reasonable spirit, a steadfast spirit, which means we got grit, we got resilience. We're not gonna give up, we're gonna stay faithful. A willing spirit, an available spirit, a surrendered spirit. It's the opposite of a rebellious spirit, I'm willing. Tell me what you want me to do. Your wish is my command, God. Isaiah 28, 6, a just spirit. Spirit that's seeking justice. Isaiah 66, 2, a humble spirit instead of a proud, haughty spirit. God's been working on me this week with that one. You know when you need a humble spirit is when people start coming after you and you want to respond in kind and you could easily shred them or you could easily just get it off your chest so that it feels better to vent and you bite your tongue and you say vengeance is God's he will repay and you just stay humble. Man, I want our body to be like that. I don't think meekness is weakness. I think meekness is strength under power. You are strong people, but it doesn't mean you have to flex your muscles every time to prove how smart you are and how right you are. A life-giving spirit. You want that? And then a powerful spirit, not a spirit of timidity, but a power and love and of a sound mind that Timothy had. I want a powerful spirit. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be here if God didn't impart on me spiritual gifts that I did not possess in my own ability or personality or disposition. I had a massive phobia of talking in front of people, and this was from an early age, and I've shared this before. I am dead serious. I could not even get up in front of little kids and share my memory verse at my Christian school without my knees knocking, and I was so scared, and I would sweat, and I would pit out, and I just felt like so embarrassed. And this was all the way to my senior year and into college. First semester in college, I had speech class and I was petrified, terrified, mortified by that. And Heidi was actually in that class. And so I was trying to impress her and I was not impressive. I gave a five minute testimonial speech and I just about melted down. And then I felt God calling me to go into ministry and I'm like, oh, you don't understand. I can't go into ministry. I can't talk in front of people. And I remember a couple months later, I said, God, if you will give me the spiritual 
gift of courage and boldness. And this fear may never go away inside of me, but if you can be more powerful than this fear, I will serve you every day of my life if you can give me your strength and power and courage. And I stand before you as a guy without the spirit of God that could not be doing what I am doing right now. And there are things in your life where you have impediments in your life and you have barriers in your life and high thick walls you cannot overcome and scale those walls. And I'm telling you, if you ask the Holy Spirit to come down and fill you up and say, God, I promise with all my heart, I'll give you for all my days, my life. If you'll take this away from me, I'll use it for your glory. I'll never take pride in it. And he came upon me and gave me what I did not have on my own. It's the expulsive power of a new affection. 200 years ago, this guy Thomas Chalmers, 1780 to 1847, spoke a message called the expulsive power of a new affection. It shook up the world of Christendom at the time. And and the belief was that a void seeks to be filled and the only way to eradicate the power of sin in our lives is to replace it with the spiritual affections that are overpowering in their intensity so as to expulse the negative actions and attitudes from one's life. William Wilberforce, a pretty big guy in history, wrote in his diary in 1817, all the world is wild about this Dr. Chalmers. But why, Princeton's James Alexander asked James John Mason on his return from Scotland while Chalmers was so effective and Mason replied, it is his blood earnestness. This guy who came up with the expulsive power of a new affection experienced that in his life and he's like, I gotta tell people that when they have a powerful affection inside of them, they have urges, they have appetites of the flesh that when you invite the spirit and he occupies, he expulses out those other spirits and fills you with the spirits of God. That's promise, that's possibility, that's potential, that's hope for all of you here, you numbskulls. You don't have to stay that way. You can say, God, you come in and just come in and take over and push everything else that's not of you and sit on the throne of my heart. Just kick me right off in the way that I've enthroned myself and be enthroned, God, in my life. What's really cool, the thing I love about the story as I've been looking into it, is that Thomas Chalmers, he was a pastor, he was a born-again Christian, and he thought he was, but while he was a pastor, he realized he knew the Bible, he preached the Bible, and it was more up in his head, but this guy came to know Christ and was born again while serving as a pastor, He said, I don't know you, God. Something about life is evidence. It's all been in my flesh. Uh, And you can pastor with abilities and with heart and a love for people and not even have the spirit of God. Sorry to break it to you. You can do everything that I'm doing and do it even out of a good heart, but it's not coming from the spirit filling you and wanting to please God. And he said, I need to be saved. And he was saved and born again by the Spirit of God, this expulsive power of a new affection filled his life. It reminded me of Acts chapter six, seven, where the gospel in the early church continued to spread and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the priests were converted too. 
Wouldn't you love it if God worked in this age in such a time where the church is all topsy-turvy and inside out and upside down? Maybe it'll just take away the pretenders and consumers and the rebels and purify the church and say, you need to get saved for real, for rizzle, as they say. You need to have the Holy Spirit. Like, you've been able to go to church and do church, and everything's been free and fantastic and swell and spiffy. What about when it's not? What are you going to do then? Are you going to dig deep? Are you going to say, Holy Spirit, give me the power to what I, for what I cannot do on my own? That's what I want. And I don't have it on some days, but I have it on others. In the days I have it, I'm a force to be reckoned with. In the days I don't have it, I'm a limp noodle. So it makes sense Jesus is talking with this Christian leader, Nicodemus, in John 3, that he'd speak of the birth of the spirit and simply, instead of simply the birth of the flesh, because that doesn't lead to nothing. And you can feign Christianity a while for a little bit and even pull off Christian activities and attitudes for a while, but eventually it catches up to us and asks us the million-dollar question, are you born of the spirit? Because Jesus said, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to spirit. Born again. This is where we get that term, born again believer in the Bible. And in Romans chapter 8, 16, it says the spirit himself testifies with our human spirit that we are God's children. I love that. The Holy Spirit comes in and starts talking back and forth with our human spirit and testifying, saying, you're mine. You're my child. I've bought you with a price. I've purchased you off the slave block of sin. You've been redeemed. You're mine now. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a slave to righteousness. In the Old Testament, The spirit came upon Othniel and Jephthah. The spirit clothed Gideon. The spirit rushed upon Samson. But now the spirit indwells anyone who calls out on the Lord for salvation. He's no longer just on us. He's in us. And in Joel 2, the prophet prophesied of this in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. He'd pour out his spirit. Afterward, I'll pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. My servants, both men and women, that was a big deal. Sons and daughters, men and women, all get the spirit and all take leadership. I'm pouring out my spirit in those days. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They'll be born again of the spirit. Spirit. That's exactly what happened in Acts 2 in Pentecost in the upper room with 120 people. They prayed, waited on the Spirit, and He filled them. But the Spirit of God just didn't fill people once, it filled people over and over again. In Acts chapter 2, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. You go to Acts chapter 4, 8, Peter then filled by the Holy Spirit again. He was indwelled with the Spirit. That doesn't go away. But being filled with the Spirit's different. And then at the end of chapter 4, verse 31, they prayed. And after they prayed, the meeting where their place where their meeting was shaken, they were all filled with the Spirit and with great boldness. You are filled again and again and again as you every day, moment to moment, wake up and realize, I've got to surrender my my life to God. 
It seems that as new emergencies or new avenues of service present themselves to the first century believers, they were filled and refilled with the Spirit, moment by moment surrender. It's one thing to be indwelled with the Spirit for salvation and quite another to be filled with the Spirit for service. So Jesus said to Nicodemus, flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. There's this passage that shows the difference between flesh-born fruit and spirit-born fruit. And in fact, it's a passage that we have in our leadership covenant, three passages that we give people that are in leadership positions around here to say, can you be a leader? And before I get into the guiding verse in the covenant, in the context of that in Galatians 5, it not only gives the fruit of the spirit, but the fruit of the flesh found in Galatians 5, chapter 19, the fruit of the flesh, well, it's obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. This next section just hit me with where we're living. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. These are the fruits of the flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Flesh gives fruits, you know, birth to flesh. Anybody been struggling with hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy? Church, we have got to be filled with the spirit of God. That's, that's what anybody who doesn't know Christ would do. That's not what Christ followers do. And when they do, they repent and say, God, fill me with your spirit again and eradicate and expulse the spirit that's overtaken me that's my flesh. Not my will, but yours be done. And some of you would say, well, you sunk my battleship right there. I'm on number five and seven and eight, nine, 10 and 11 are all me lately. Well, they don't have to be. Because it goes on. And it says this, this is leadership covenant guiding verse two in our leadership covenant, but the fruit of the spirit is love and I want everyone on our staff and all our leaders to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the spirit, let's walk in step with the spirit. So the spirit's the one leading the way and we walk in step with him. It's follow the leader. We say this, we believe a leader will exhibit the fruits of the spirit. If these fruits aren't evident in the leader's life consistently, not constantly, they may be a good leader, but they're not a godly one. And the person who walks in step with the spirit, this is what we have our staff look at and our volunteer leaders every year. We want this, we're about this. Love, not selfishness. Are you caring? Joy, not negativity. Are you life-giving? Peace, not escalation. Are you calm? Patience, not inflexibility. Are you forgiving? Kindness, not coldness. Are you friendly? Goodness, not sinfulness. Are you pure? Faithfulness, not irresponsibility. Are you dependable? Gentleness, not defensiveness. Are you approachable? And self-controlled, not meltdowns. Are you resilient? Or do you escalate everything? This is what And every year we say, what are the two that you're not doing so well? What are the two that you're excelling in on our staff? And we look at these every year. This is the kind of spirit 
we want in this place. The genius loci of this place, the spirit of place and people is this. And not just for our leaders, but this, this bleeds over into all of us saying, God, I want that to be my house, my marriage, my relationships. I want to follow you, not my flesh. So my prayer for us today, as we finish up, there's a couple verses, one the old, one the new, that to me are an imperative as it relates to stirring up our spirits with his spirit. And Haggai 1.14 says, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. So we don't just need the leaders filled with the spirit. We need the whole remnant of the people, everybody here, everybody online. We need God's spirit to come down and stir up our spirits. And they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. And this laying on of hands that that Moses did to confer his authority and his spirit onto Joshua, all the way in Timothy, Paul did this to Timothy, his spiritual father. I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God or the spirit that's in you by the laying out of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And I'm just asking that God would stir up our spirits like he did with Zerubbabel in the Old Testament and like he did with Timothy. Stir up that gift of God, the spirit inside of us through the laying on of hands. And today I just wanna reach out my hands to you today and just symbolically just stir up the spirit inside of you for the days and months to come. That when you're feeling like your spirit is stagnant, that we will stir up one another to love and good works, as it says in Hebrews chapter 10, that we'll stir up each other's spirits, that gift that's within us, that that we won't have the spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and of self-discipline. May we be born again by the spirit, continually, continually being filled with the spirit, as well as stirring up the spirit in each other to function, not out of fear, but out of power and love and of a sound mind. Can I, I ask you something today? Your spirit is powerful, and you have the ability to confer that spirit on other people this week. And you can have all the spirit of bitterness and anger and rage and all of the things we looked at in impurity, and that will bleed over and breed into the people around you the same exact spirit. But you have the ability to say, I wanna take a portion and give a double portion of my spirit to the people around me. I wanna confer on them the, the spirit of God that is hovering over me and give them a piece of how God has awakened and quickened my heart. Can we be that people? This is not possible in our own strength. That's why it says in Nehemiah, or no, Zechariah, not by strength nor by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord God Almighty. Not by your power, not by your strength, not by your wit, not by your wisdom, not your intelligence, but by his spirit. God, would we be born of your spirit, filled with your spirit, anointed with your spirit, baptized with your spirit, that we might follow you into this week, God. And I pray as I just put my hands out, I can't lay it on anybody here, but I'm just gonna put my hands out and say, God, would you stir up the spirit 
in this remnant of people here today and online, wherever people are sitting and watching this under the sound of my voice, would you allow us to be a remnant of people that don't go the way of everyone else, freaking out and just going crazy on each other and allowing anger and hatred and division to like seep into our spirits and fill us with toxins and poisons, but may you, through the expulsive power of a more powerful affection, just eradicate that and fill us with your spirit, with all the fruits of your spirit instead of the fruits of our flesh. That is our prayer today. Stir us up, God, for your glory and for others' good. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for coming tonight. You're dismissed.